Welcome to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. We share teachings and trainings that empower Christians to overcome fear and change the world by knowing God personally and making Him known to others. If you enjoy this content, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with others. Sweet. So tonight, uh, we have the privilege of hearing from Steve Sizemore. Um, he is currently teaching in our school and ministry development. Um, he has been somebody who has, who has poured into our base for many years. Um, Steve is a man who, he actually led Michael Berg's, our base director's DTS. Um, and so he had to deal with Michael in his early stages of YWAM. Um, but yeah, and so Steve, ha- Steve is no longer within YWAM, but he really carries the values of, of the mission of Youth with a Mission. I would say one of, the, one of the values that he really carries is functioning in teams. And how he does that is he helped, that's one of the YWAM, just YWAM's values is function in teams. And Steve really walks alongside, especially us as a base of, okay, how do you do this properly? How do you do this well? How do you serve in teams? How do you lead in teams? And just how do you really like, like bring up the best in everybody on your team? And so Steve is also very involved uh, with international students uh, through Kansas University. Um, he, is a, he is from Kansas. Um, but yeah, and so he's here this week teaching SOMD. And so let's just honor Steve as he comes up. Yes, Jesus, we thank you for this amazing man who just says yes and obeys you, whatever the call is. And so, Father, just as he brings the word to us tonight, we're just, we, we say we're ready, um, and we're just expectant for what you have for us. And Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're going to do in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Corey. And thank you, everyone, for that welcome. Uh, if you only really knew me, you wouldn't be standing up and pl- applauding. Uh, Any. <laughs> This is the kindness of God, the kindness of God, the grace, the grace of God that rests upon us all. Uh, may Jesus be truly satisfied tonight with our words and our thoughts, the intentions of our hearts. We just pause for the next 20 minutes or so, whatever it is, and what we've been doing the last little while, singing to the Lord. May He just savor it like a wonderful, fresh offering. We're not in the sacrificial system anymore but just that, that sweet savor of worship, like incense, heart incense that comes from our hearts. May it rise up to the, the nostrils of the Lord, in a sense. They just savor it. And go, oh, I'm getting some sweet stuff from down there in Orlando. It's nice. It's nice. May it be true as we continue to think about His Word and His ways. May God's grace rest upon us today. Uh, 39 years ago today, I got down on one knee and asked Janice to marry me. And she said yes. So uh, we've been celebrating that a little bit long distance today. Uh, and, but I haven't been a very good boy. Uh, yesterday I sent her a photo of the sun setting over the lake and said it's 87 degrees here. They were getting snow last night, more snow coming late tonight and tomorrow. Some of us just have better timing, better, we just listen to the Lord more clearly. I don't know what it is. Uh, 
And then I took a little video of the worship just to rub it in. I'm like, I'm trying to be a good boy, but I just can't. So I sent her a little video. If you saw me on my phone, it was because I was just texting friends. No, I was videoing a little bit of worship and sent it to her just to rub it in a little bit. Because she loves to worship. She would have loved to have been here tonight and singing unto the Lord with you. So many of you may know Janice. Some of you have no idea who she is, but she sends her love and greetings to you also. I just want to share a few things with you tonight. Hopefully it will be an encouragement to you, inspire you, and, and breathe courage into you in some way. When we think about encouraging, that's what it means. It means to breathe courage into one another. Anybody here have, like, a favorite T-shirt or a favorite sweatshirt, a favorite pair of pants? you just like, I just love it when I'm wearing, you know, like these clothes. It's just, they just feel so good. It feels so right. Can you, you guys can relate to that? Right, so tell your neighbor real quick, one of your favorites, just real quick. So have you seen my t-shirt? Just tell them. Just tell your neighbor about one of your favorites. All right, all right, that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> you guys are all going to run home and change clothes right now. Like, i got to go home and get that T-shirt out and put it on. Isn't that an amazing, isn't that a, a sort of an interesting phenomenon? It's like this experience we all share. And many of you are praying, well, I know at least some people here are praying for a spouse. Maybe, I don't, maybe not. I know some of you who are single, one of your future conflicts with your future spouse will be about, and why are we keeping that? <laughs> Is that right? Any married folks say, amen, amen. Like you come home and like, where's my, where, where did it go? It just disappeared. All right, so anyway, just something to look forward to. But this, this, this sense, this sensation, this feeling even with clothing sometimes, like this feels right. I feel comfortable. This, is, this belongs. I just... Yes, this feels rich. And all of us like richness. Don't we like richness? Just richness of life. Like, oh, that was such a wonderful experience. That just feels so right. And I believe that's God's designed us for that, to have pleasure and fulfillment. And the place like, man, this is just rich. Thank you, God, for the richness of this. So I want to talk a little bit about that tonight, and specifically in the context of relationships. Relationships. When you take that metaphor, not romantic relationships. I know some of you are getting excited. So just sorry about that. But uh, you take that, that metaphor, think of like your favorite shirt or your favorite whatever, just that feeling like this feels so right. I just love it. Are you experiencing that in relationships, in community? Are you experiencing it in a team? Are you experiencing it in a corporate setting? I believe God has that for us. It's part of what he wants us to experience. And what does that look like? When you think about that, what does that look like? What does that feel like, that richness, that quality of relationship, that quality of community, that quality of team? What does that look like or feel like to you? You say, well, Steve, I can't really describe it, but I, I can feel it. I know it when it's there, and I know it when it's not there. Some of you say, hey, I've never experienced it possibly, but you will someday. You will. You know, and... In discovering, in creating, and in shaping this richness of community that I'm talking about, this richness of team, this richness of relationship, what is my responsibility? What is your responsibility? What is our responsibility? 
What is our opportunity in regard to that richness? You know, I can't control. We all wish we could sometimes, right? But I cannot control or determine what others do. That's, that's hard to swallow, isn't it? It's like, anybody still trying? Yeah, just give up. Right? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> might as well just give up because it's never going to happen. None of us can control or determine what others are going to do. It's just not our place, and we can't do it. But when it comes to this whole thing of creating, of cultivating, of discovering, of multiplying, this richness we're trying to get our minds around tonight, I am responsible for the way I show up, for what I do to make that happen, to shape it, to bring it about. There's an interesting part of the story in Acts chapter 8. It's just after Stephen has been stoned. It's, read Acts first, read the whole book of Acts, read the first seven chapters of Acts. There's so much that happens so quickly. But just previous to chapter 8, Stephen has been stoned. It's a powerful, powerful story. It's a gripping story. And even in the midst of his passing, as he's, as he's moving from this earth into the heavenlies, as he's passing from life, physical life, to death, physical death, and then into eternal life, he has a vision of Jesus. You remember that? I mean, it's powerful. Amazing. So this has just happened. And in chapter 8, in verse 1, it starts this way. I'm just going to read the first three verses of chapter 8. It says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. So Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, was there. And he was in hearty agreement with what took place. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They remained. Some devout men, and this is something that grabbed me one day when I was reading this sometime in the past. I don't remember how long it's been. But this verse just grabbed me. It says, some devout men buried Stephen, Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. Then it goes on to say, but Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He put them in prison. But some devout men buried Stephen with loud lamentation. And it just grabbed me one day when I was reading this. I'm like, oh, what kind of relationship did they have with Stephen? Who were these guys? I mean, things just amped up big time. It's like it's on to the death, and Stephen's the first one, and there's more to come. It's just like whoosh. it's been cranked up big time. But these devout guys went and got the body of Stephen, and they buried him with loud lamentation. You say, Steve, that sounds sort of weird, but there's something there that's extremely attractive to me. I'm like, wow, I want to be a part of a fellowship like that. I want to be a part of a team like that. It says, man, we are together. We are one. 
We have shared values, same commitment. This is our brother. Let's bury him with loud lamentation. So anyway, to me, it's just grab my heart one day. This, the stoning of Stephen galvanized the core values of the early church. The fire of persecution refined and strengthened those values and their commitment to those values. Do you have a passion for this richness that I'm talking about? You have a passionness for like, hey, passion for this richness of community, of team, of like, yeah, I want to I have relationships like that. I have a passion for that. A good friend of mine, Jared Scholes, was preaching recently, and he's talking about passion. He said, you know, passion really is this. It's the amount of suffering I'm willing to endure to fulfill the dream. It's not excitement. It can be, oh, man, I got, I got some passion. It can be exciting, but it's much more than excitement. It's the amount of suffering that I'm willing to endure to fulfill the dream. That's passion. And passion doesn't always feel good. Passion doesn't always feel good. So do you have a passion? So I'd like to take back my vote. I voted for passion for this richness you're talking about. I think I'd like to rescind my vote. <laughs> I don't know how much I'm willing to suffer for that. But do you have a passion for what I'm describing? You know, here in the Western world in the United States, right, there's a lot going on in our country. Uh, and there are philosophies, theories, ideas, doctrines, et cetera, that are permeating our society right now, every level of society permeating education, culture, politics, and even the church. And these philosophies, these theories, these doctrines ultimately lead to separation and division. But they're being swallowed, as we say down south, whole hog. I grew up in the south. They're being swallowed whole hog but they ultimately are going to lead to separation and division. The United States, in some respects, potentially is losing its, in a sense, its super identity, and that, yeah, we're a very diverse nation, but we are still Americans. And now that's sort of not cool, I guess, to, be, to have any type of super identity. It's got to be an individual group identity. So I'm not here to give a political speech. I'm creating contrast. That's the world system. But the kingdom is not like that. The kingdom is not like that. Uh, in Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to quickly turn there. Galatians chapter 3, a very familiar verse for you in verse 28. Paul's writing, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. And the idea here is, is not that, hey, you no longer have individual identity, but there's a super identity, or there's an identity that supersedes that. There's an identity that connects us. That's a greater, it's a stronger, it's a more powerful identity, more powerful than your individual identity. 
There's still our men, there's still our women, there's still our nations. But when we become followers of Christ, when we become in Christ, then that identity supersedes all other identities. And that's actually contrary to the world's philosophy right now, especially in the Western world. But it's the way of the kingdom. I love the kingdom of God. I love the kingdom of God. So God is calling us, this thing of being together, of following Jesus together, is something he's designed us for, the metaphor, the body of Christ, obvious. Bodies do not function well as individual parts. But the individual parts really function well when they're connected to the whole, obviously. So this, the way that God's designed us, this thing that he wants for us, is to be a part of this body. I want to make this practical for us. I'm going to try to land this plane here in just a second. A few days ago, I was, I don't know, I'm just old school, I guess. I don't know what it is. I'm definitely old school, yeah. I was entering into a convenience store, and I saw this person coming across the parking lot. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to get there just in time to open the door for them. But as I was speeding up, it seemed like they were speeding up. It's like they're anticipating what I was getting ready to try to do. I'm like, okay, well, the race is on. And uh, as we were getting right to the door, this person was actually beating me. I had on flip-flops because I just threw on some flip-flops and ran to get some gas in my car. And I didn't want to kill myself trying to run in flip-flops, you know. I'm getting old. So they beat me to the door. So I thought, hey, as they were about to reach for the door, so I was trying to beat you there because I wanted to open the door for you. And their response was, well, I'm an independent kind of person. So I didn't get mad or anything like that. I just went, oh. So I'm not making light of that person. I'm not criticizing them. I'm thinking that's not the way we're designed. God's designed us to be interdependent. He's designed us to be together. He's designed us to honor one another, to care about one another, and not be free of one another. And not somehow arrive at a place where I don't need you as some sort of protection. You will never hurt me. You will never disappoint me because I've developed a capacity to not need you. That's not the kingdom. That's not, I'm not saying that person was saying all of that. But this idea of independence, that just stood out to me so much. Here's what I like about the kingdom. Many things I like about the kingdom. I love the justice of the kingdom. That the kingdom is the most just kingdom ever. Right? You say yes, because it's true. It is. It is the ultimate expression of justice. When Jesus was describing his kingdom, he gave certain clear instructions as to what's most important in his kingdom. And it's not complicated. He said the greatest commandment is to love one another. He says, the greatest in my kingdom will be the servant of all. It's not complicated. He says, your destiny, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is working. The destiny for us is to become like, uh uh-oh, we're in trouble now, like Jesus. Yeah, 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 is that we become like him. I mean, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. 
You talk about justice. And what I mean by that is this. I mean, that right there, just to become like Christ, I used to be alienated from God. I rejected God. I was a rebel against God. I was a sinner. I was a lawbreaker. I was a transgressor. And God says, I'm going to do at my own expense. I'm going to reconcile you to myself, and then I'm going to make you like my dear son. I'm going to transform you from glory to glory. You talk about justice, that's justice. With a whole lot of mercy added in. All right? I love that about the kingdom. And in this kingdom of God, he gives equal opportunity in a sense for all of us to excel in his kingdom. All of us have the opportunity to excel in love. Is that right? You say, well, that's not my gift. Well, it's, that's not, it's not a gift. <laughs> it's an opportunity to become like him. And he says, do you want to excel in love? Come on. How about you? You want to excel? Who wants to excel in love? Everybody, come on. Who wants to excel as a servant? Come on. Now, maybe you don't want to excel in the most important things. Maybe you want to be the ping pong champion of Orlando. That, that's great, but I mean, you know, there may be a few other things a little more important. I, I'm all for ping pong. I've got a ping pong table in my house, so I'm, you know, I'm all, for, I'm all about ping pong. But you know what? It's better to excel in love. It's going to last forever. Are you tracking with me? So wrapping this up and putting this back into the context of what we're talking about, thinking about being this richness of a team, of a community, of a fellowship, as I, as you, as we mature and we grow in the most important things in the kingdom of loving, of serving, and becoming Christ-like, then we bring richness to that family, to that community, to that team. Now, maybe you've never done this, but there have been a, maybe once, maybe twice. I'll lose count, you know. Or I've measured the way people are loving me instead of measuring the way I'm loving others. I've measured the way people are serving me instead of measuring the way I'm serving others. You know, that never works out too well. So do you have a passion for richness in community, in team, in relationships? And push aside excuses and say the door is wide open for me to excel in the things that are most important in the kingdom. And I have a great opportunity to bring richness. Remember that favorite T-shirt, that favorite sweatshirt? It's like I have, a, I have the opportunity to bring richness of life, kingdom life, into this relationship, into this community, into this team. We have promises from the Word of God. Psalm 133 says, How good it is when brothers dwell together in unity gives a description of the oil of anointing coming upon Aaron and dripping off of him. It's so heavy, it's just dripping off of him. 
But there's an interesting phrase that says, it says, and there the Lord commands a blessing. You're talking about richness. Woo. You want to be in the location where the Lord's commanding a blessing? So what are you doing about it? Are you bringing the richness? Are you bringing the love? Are you bringing the service to one another? It's not, it's not a rebuke. It's an invitation. Sorry, that sounds a little harsh. I'm not trying to come across that way. So I want you to have richness. I do. I want you to go, wow, this is great. I love being a part of the richness of community, of team, shared values, shared commitment to those values. I want you to experience that. But you know what? It's bigger than you, and it's bigger than me. Jesus said something very powerful, a short phrase, and I'm assuming that most of you have it memorized. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love, one for another. He underlines it as a key point of identification, the love that we have for one another. So when I read that story in Acts 8, the love I saw that those devout brothers had for Stephen made me want to be a part of that team. I'm like, where do I sign up for that team? I want to be on a team like that. That's love. And so it is. The world is waiting to see a demonstration of love. It's waiting to see it from us. In John 17, Jesus talks about in his prayer. He says, Father, make them one that the world may know that you have sent me. So, yeah, I want you to have richness. I want you to go, wow, this is so good. This is what I've been dreaming of. And I am passionate. I'm willing to suffer or endure until I experience this richness of team and community. But it's not just for me. It's so that Jesus will be satisfied and receive the reward of his sufferings. Amen? And the world will shake. And they'll say, where do I sign up for that? Amen? Lord, thank you for your great love. Thank you for these precious, precious people. Oh, Lord, how precious they are. Underline their value tonight. A sense of your nearness. Uh, may everything that obscures your motivation toward us tonight be washed away. Show us your heart, Lord, continually. And I pray tonight for a, just a rising up within us. I will say, yes, I'm going to build, I'm going to bring whatever I can bring to cultivate that richness, that unity, that love. Glorify your great name in our midst, I pray, oh God. Through Jesus we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. Would you like to be in the room during a training like this? If you're ready to devote this season of your life to learning to live fearlessly and change the world by knowing God and making Him known, then go to ywamorlando.com and apply for free to our discipleship training school.